0: something to say hello everybody how are you doing today my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer ce dorset or you might not depends. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. It's it's been a day or so. Yeah, there's been a lot going on and today I wanted to talk about something near and dear to my heart, which I like to call reclaiming fandom. And this is a big topic for me because fandom is one of my favorite things in the universe. It really is. When I was a kid, I Had all these feelings inside of me that I didn't quite know what to do with. I had not realized yet the genderqueer trans nature that I had. I just thought that I hated being a boy and I didn't understand what that meant because I didn't know that there were alternatives to that. And I knew that I liked boys, which was something that I was not supposed to do as a boy. And that was problematic I was really into science and mathematics and things of that nature, and of course that made you a geek or a nerd or the dreaded dork. And that made it hard for me to, you know, make friends and whatnot because my interests were different. I liked Star Trek and Star Wars and all those kinds of things that it just really wasn't cool to be into. I mean, I liked music and stuff too, but... You know, my, my primary interests were, I was reading the books of David Eddings at the time, you know, Anne McCaffrey, J.R.R. Tolkien, and all that, and that, that didn't make you the most popular kid in class. And then, one day, out of the blue, a couple friends of mine said that they heard about this sci-fi convention, and it wasn't that far away, and we all talked our parents into letting us go, and we only got to go for one day, but we got to go. And it was amazing. It was one of the most fantastic things that I've ever experienced because I met a whole bunch of people like me. A whole bunch of people of all ages like me. I wasn't alone in the world. I wasn't the only one that was fascinated by all these things. I sat in on talks by people from the Jet Propulsion Laboratory about robotics. And I got to meet D.C. Fontana who had written for TV. She had written for Star Trek, and she was still writing Star Trek novels and doing other things like that. And I got to meet all these wonderful people, and I got to see stars from shows that I loved, and it was magic. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I belonged somewhere. I felt like I was in a place that I could be myself. And so, of course, the next year, we went again. And then the next year, we went again, but this time, we talked our parents into letting us stay for the full weekend. And then again, oh, wait, you do one of these in October too? Okay, we'll start going to that one as well. And so now I'm going to a couple conventions a year. And oh, there's another convention over there? Let, let's check that one out too. And I found my home in fandom in this wonderfully glorious place where people of from all around the world, especially back then, because this is... You know, the heyday of Star Trek The Next Generation, people were there from all over the world. And it was amazing. It was wonderful. And I found a place I could belong. And that's kind of the beginning of my journey in fandom. I started reading fanzines. I started writing for fanzines. In fact, my very first published work, if you even want to call it that, (laughs) was in fanzines. I used to write Klingon poetry. Yeah. I I wrote some data fan fiction. I wrote a lot of Worf and various other Klingon fan fictions. Koloth was my particular favorite Klingon, not just from his appearance on Star Trek The Next Generation. And I'm sorry, Star Trek, the original series. And he hadn't come back yet for uh, Deep Space Nine, but he appeared in several novels that, of course, I had read because I was that kid. And I learned how to speak Klingon, and I was part of a LARPing group that role-played Klingon, and it was amazing, and it was wonderful, and it was fun. And now I expect you think I'm going to start talking about how everything fell apart. And for me, it actually did, but not because fandom changed or the internet did terrible things. I think the internet did do some terrible things in that back when I was younger, there were a lot more in-person fan clubs that you could join And actually, be around people like yourself, and talk about these geeky, nerdy things, and meet new people and make new friends. And I don't see that so much. That may be a um, relic of the fact that I live in America's heartland. (laughs) You know how much I love saying that every time. Nothing vain about calling yourself the heartland, but you know that doesn't really happen around here. I mean, I remember going out with people. With the SCA, the Society for Creative Anachronism, and having a lot of fun with them. And I'm still a member of Starfleet International. I'm just a member of a ship out of New York because I have friends there and I hang out with them at the conventions. And so I asked if I could join their ship. And I, I, yeah, but I don't get to do a lot of the things that I used to do. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. You know, I think the instant communication of the internet has kind of put a damper on some of those things that used to be amazing about fandom. But I think we can get those back. What, what I'm really wanting to talk about is the 24-hour news cycle and the fact that people are a little too invested now. And what do I mean by all that? Everything's a rumor now. Everything's a story. Everything has to be drawn out. Am I excited about The Mandalorian? Eh, Yeah, it's Star Wars. Of course I'm excited about it. But we have a picture, and we know that it's about a Mandalorian, and it's set sometime after the Galactic Civil War. (sighs) That doesn't tell me much. You want to really get me excited? Tell me that Sinjir has been cast for this show, and he's going to be making an appearance. I don't care if it's just in one episode. Tell me that. I will be super excited about your show, because he's a character from that time period. I... Okay, if you don't read the books, read the Aftermath books by Chuck Wendig. They're so good. If you don't read any other Star Wars books, read those. They're very good. And the characters are so much fun. And like me, you'll be wanting them to show up in more things than just a mere cameo. Because Snap Wexley actually shows up in uh, The Force Awakens. If you don't know who he is, you blink and you'll miss him. But he's actually there. He's in the film. So that's something, right? Now, I I, I can't be excited about The Mandalorian because I don't know enough about it. You know, Mandalorians have always been interesting to me, and I really like the extended mythology that George built for them. Duchess Satine and Death Watch and all of the things that happened in the Clone Wars, that's really exciting. The extension that we see in Rebels with Sabine Wren and her family and the politics there, that was awesome. I am primed to be excited. But until I see more than a Boba Fett action figure, I, I can't really get that excited. The same is true about James Gunn being hired to do the next Suicide Squad movie. First of all, I I think the first Suicide Squad movie gets a lot more hate than it deserves. I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm not, I'm not. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's a good movie. It's not, it is trash. But in some ways, it's almost beautiful trash until you get to the end. The end is garbage. the end is utter garbage and i am not going to try to defend the end but there are moments in that movie that are really good i think about the moment in the bar where they're all sitting around drinking before they decide to go out and save the world i really like that scene i like what they did with some of the characters in there and i'm not just talking about margot robbie They, they found a way to get me interested in deadshot who even manu bennett couldn't do not Manu Bennett. He didn't play. He played Deathstroke. Too many people named Death something. Deathstroke, Death, Deadshot, Death, Deadpool. Too, too many Deads. Too many Deads. I, I get them confused in um, my I can't remember the name of the actor, but the actor who played him in the Arrowverse. I mean, he was fine, but it's a character that I'm not all that interested in. I, I Something about Will Smith's portrayal of him, it kind of made me interested in him a little bit. And I, I'm okay with that. That's interesting. We'll see where that goes. I don't know if he's coming back. That's going to be the other thing is who's going to be cast for the movie. Because how much of a reboot is this? I mean, I can almost guarantee that Margot Robbie, as long as her contract still holds, will be coming back because, you know, she's one of the only things that we can all agree about about liking in that movie. But they'll probably drop the whole Jared Leto's Joker thing or they'll explain that away somehow. You know what I would really like is to find out that Jared Leto's Joker was actually the trickster and them to reboot it that way because I don't remember them ever actually saying Joker. I may be wrong about that. But see, I'm just speculating wildly because I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, yes, I'm excited because James Gunn makes really good movies. In fact, he's already made this movie. It's called Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a whole bunch of people that are not necessarily morally good who come together in a ragtag group to save the world. Been there. Done that twice. It was very good. And so I have a lot of hope that he'll be able to do that unless the studio interferes too much with Suicide Squad. But I, I don't know anything else about it. Who else is coming back? Who are they bringing in? What's the group going to be? Please tell me we're not going to recast Waller. Because uh, uh, that was good Waller. But I don't know. And this is what I'm talking about when I say reclaiming fandom. See, fandom used to be fanish you know it was people doing fan art and fan fiction and talking about theories about stories that had already come out and that kind of retrospective nature that fandom had was something that everybody could participate in and even more importantly they didn't get as invested in their theories because well there was we're talking about things that had already happened this gets really problematic when you look at you know, reactions that a lot of people had to The Last Jedi. And to be honest, a great deal of those reactions were people who had really invested a lot into fan theories and had their own headcanon. And when the movie didn't live up to that headcanon, well, they, they got upset. So as we go about trying to reclaim our fandom, some of the things that we need to be looking at is exactly what do we consider fandom? Cosplay, definitely. That That's a good use of fandom time. Attacking people who like something that you didn't like. that That's not fandom. That's not fanish at all. That's hater activity. And nope, out. Yeah, I think some speculation is healthy for fandom. Because I know when the Harry Potter books were coming out, I really liked trying to tease out the hints to see what was going to happen. And unfortunately, I don't want to do that for Episode nine of Star Wars because J.J. Abrams is back. And, you know, when you don't have a visionary director like Ryan Johnson who can really truly surprise you, I feel like I'm going to be depressed by the result. I mean, that's kind of how I felt about um, The Force Awakens. It pretty much was the story that I thought it was going to be. And it's kind of the story that I predicted. It's a retelling of of legacy of the force except for jason is now ben and ben doesn't exist and there's no jaina which is a shame which is i think why everybody latched on to ray and thought that ray might be jaina she's secret jaina no jaina solo doesn't exist anymore and of course instead of sacrificing Mira jade because we don't have a Mira jade he sacrifices han solo and of course he was going to do that because harrison ford said if he ever did another star wars movie they had to kill him and you know what happens? He did another Star Wars movie and they killed him because that was a condition of his for doing it. Not a surprise. Oh, and it's JJ Abrams, so it's going to have a bunch of mystery boxes. I don't think they're going to let him do the mystery box things so much with episode 9 because I really get a feeling that Lucasfilm wants to be done with the Star with the uh, Skywalker saga and that's one of the reasons why Rey is not a Skywalker is this is the end of the Skywalker saga. And I kind of hope that's true. Not that I don't love these stories, but I want—I got so excited when I watched the Star Wars show this week because in the teaser at the beginning they said Revan. And I got all excited and it wasn't anything to be excited about. They're celebrating the anniversary of Knights of the Old Republic. And so you can play Revan in Galaxy of Heroes, which is side canon-ish to the Star Wars world, which kind of, I guess, means that he and some of the characters might exist. I mean, Mr. Bones seems to be a rebuild of HK-47. Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. But I, I want Revan to come back. I want Exar to come back. I want Nomi Sunrider to come back. And even if these characters don't come back from their Legends obscurity, I want characters like them. Because most of my actual favorite Star Wars characters, you know, Connor Jacks, one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, If if you didn't read the comics, you probably have no idea who he was. Read uh, Crimson Empire is good. Crimson Empire 2, and I think there was a Crimson Empire 3. Not so, eh, they're okay. But Crimson Empire, the first one, really good. Really good. And a lot of my favorite characters came from there. The Tales of the Old Republic comics, a lot of my, that's where Nomi Sunrider comes in. Exar Kun comes in there. There's a lot from there. Revan, one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Really love Revan. Except for, I like Lady Revan, and if they do ever bring Revan back into canon, I want them to do Lady Revan. Just because. One, I always played Lady Revan when I played the game because you had the option to play as a male or a female. Um, but two, I, one, well, actually, I, I just want to see fanboys' heads explode when Re- Revan is revealed to be a lady. I just. the the vitriol that will be hurled at Kathleen Kennedy will be hilarious because Revan could have been either a boy or a girl. And this is the problem with the Old Republic. The video game is they canonically decided which one he was. And that's upsetting because that invalidated my entire gameplay. Because every time I play Knights of the Old Republic, and I still play in the, through Knights of the Old Republic every now and then. It's like a favorite novel. It's fun to go back and replay it. But... And always trying to figure out if there's a way I can just get Bastila to die. I don't like Bastila. <laughs> you leave her in Legends. But those are the characters I want to see come back. And we're not talking about any of that. Instead, we're guessing about things that, I mean, I don't know, may or may not happen. And I don't think it's worth our energy to get emotionally invested in Might Happen. Because these are corporations. They don't care what we want to see. I think we should. I think our time would be better spent looking back and telling the stories that we want to tell. Like I've honestly, seriously, been contemplating at some point writing a He-Man fanfic, just because I love the characters of He-Man so much. I love Masters of the Universe so much, and I know they're doing a Masters of the Universe movie. And I've thought about this forever, literally since the uh, Dolph Lundgren movie came out which by the way is another trash fire it's a terrible movie but you have to watch it if you haven't because franklin jella is the best skeletor his skeletor is amazing somehow in this utterly crap movie there's this glorious skeletor in the middle of it oh it's 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 it it, it hurts it hurts but yeah i've i've actively thought about writing that just so i could be like so this is what i would have done this is the story that i would have made. If I, if I were rebooting Masters of the Universe today, this is what my Masters of the Universe And not to uh, give a uh, selfish pun um, pl- plug here, but that, that's why I'm trying to build up my Patreon. Because right now, I have to focus on book sales, and I can't sell fan fiction. So, you know, people, you know, supporting me over there frees me up to do some of these other projects that we all might really enjoy that I can't monetize. Just saying. (laughs) So if you want to see me do a Masters of the Universe fanfic or anything else, definitely head over there and uh, when you sign up, specifically state that that's why you uh, have decided to do that. Because that would be awesome. I would love to be able to do that. But, you know, we get to rally around and make that a thing. But that's what fandom is about for me. Having fun. Not tearing other people down and not even so much as you know sharing it with other people one of the biggest projects that i've been on since i got out of my depression was reacquainting myself with my own fandoms and really letting myself embrace them. i mean i'm sitting here recording this right now and right in front of me is a poster of ruby and sapphire becoming garnet and two forms of garnet the more present garnet and the original garnet are on there and all these beautiful roses around it i have my zap branigan right here beside me i have my sorceress from masters of the universe because i love her and she was a terribly misused character i have a yoda i have a nightmare moon which is one of the ugliest toys ever made by an actual toy company because it actually doesn't look like the character but it's the one that they made so it's the one that i have i have a millennium falcon over there With a ray, I have a BB-8 over there. I have a whole bunch of little toys from Stevie Universe. I'm actually holding a rose quartz right now as I'm talking to you because I picked it up. And an amethyst and a jasper and all that. I'm surrounded by my fandoms. I can look over there and there are my plushy slimes from Slime Rancher. Because, yeah, I've got my Maleficent snow globe that my sister gave me that is just gorgeous and I love... And when you wind it up, because it's a music box too, it plays Once Upon a Dream. But that, and it's not just the materialism of having these things. It's allowing myself to explore and experience these things. One of the first things I did when I was first coming out of my fandom is I started drawing pictures of Yoda. Because for some reason he was my way out. And I enjoyed that. I didn't even share them. I don't think I shared it. I think I showed Brian one of them. But I didn't even really share them, because they were for me. And that's, I think, the most important thing in this entire discussion about reclaiming fandom. Fandom has become a performative art, and it's become a performative art because it suits the corporations that own this IP. Yeah, I can talk about how I'm a fan of this, that, and the other, because there's a copy of the last Unicorn Games Star Trek role-playing game right there and one of the old 3.5 Star Wars role-playing games right there. And, oh, there's my copy of Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Oh, there's my copy of Beetle the Bard. Yeah, it, I'm not even going to get into the DVD shelf and all the stuff that's over there. I mean, for goodness sakes, just a brief glance, and the first thing that pops out to me is my copy of the box set for Star Trek The Animated Series, because, yeah, I bought that. But, yeah, I mean, it's in their best interest for fandom to be seen as a performative art because they get to sell us this stuff. You know, family members know I like Steven Universe, and so I have all these little Steven Universe toys beside me. I didn't pay for any of them. They did, but I didn't, and I love them. But that's not the heart of fandom that we need to get back to. Drawing those pictures of Yoda reconnected me to parts of myself that helped me get out of a really deep and dark depression. And that's the real power of fandom, is not the performative aspect where we show off how much trivia we know and how much swag we have. It's when we participate in ways that are personal to us that could just be re-watching the episodes of something. That could be writing our own fanfic, doing our own fan art. They could just be sitting and daydreaming about the characters for a little bit just to connect ourselves. To the part of ourselves that they resonate with. That's real fandom. And I know we're not supposed to talk about what real fandom is. But the performative aspects of fandom are nice. But they are an outward expression of an interior thing. I love Yoda and my house is positively filled with Yodas. For so many reasons. Partially it's the connection to gamma and, and this wise mystic that I often quote in Times of trouble because Yoda is eminently quotable and often has very good advice that can be applied to a lot of different circumstances. And I like his sense of humor. Even in the face of very bad things happening, Yoda usually can laugh. That's one of my favorite scenes in The Last Jedi, when Yoda burns down the tree and starts laughing. Sorry, spoiler, but I figure by now if you haven't seen The Last Jedi with all the hubbub around it, you're not going to see The Last Jedi. Or you don't mind being spoiled, sorry. That was, may have been presumptuous of me. But the giggling and the laughing Yoda, it, it it's a very powerful thing that connects very deep down within me. And that's what I think we need to reclaim more than anything. It's not just the performative, look at the stuff I got. Look at the things I know. But that heartfelt connection to those things, those characters, those storylines. I mean, for goodness sakes, just talking about this today, With you, I'm I'm sitting here thinking maybe I should reinstall Knights of the Old Republic and on my downtime play through it again, because that would be kind of awesome. Yeah, I'm that guy. Gal. Thing. (laughs) Anyway, I would love to know how you reconnect with your fandoms. How do you stay in touch with them? Especially things that either haven't been done in a while, like Babylon 5, or things that haven't been done well in a while, like the Alien movies. I'd love to know. You can tell me by following me on anchor which you can download at anchor.fm it's actually what i'm doing this podcast on no matter how you're listening to me but the cool thing is you can leave me a voice message at any time up to one minute long with your questions your comments or suggestions for topics for the episode that would be awesome i'd really love to hear them so definitely do that that would be cool if the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast, please do that. That helps me out a lot. Tells the algorithm that other people should maybe find out I exist. Speaking of which, if you know anybody that you think might benefit from this episode, um, share it with them. That would really make my day. It help me get some more people to know about what we're, I'm doing here and help us build a community that maybe we can do more with in the future. Speaking of which, thank you to everybody who is listening because I'm looking at our growth over time and thank you. You guys are awesome and gals and everything in between. Um and finally, I hate bringing this one up, but it does help out a lot. If if you have a few bucks that you can throw my way, depending on the app that you're listening to me on, there'll either be a button that says support or support on Anchor or in the show notes there'll be a link that says support on Anchor. If you click that, you can support at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That's per month. That really does help me out a lot because I would like to make doing this sort of thing my day job, and I would like to be able to put more time towards it, and it, it it would help me to kind of see where you all want me to spend my time that way. That's why I'm doing this specifically for the podcast. If you want to support everything that I do, including the writing, you can go to patreon.com slash Dorset. and over there, that supports everything that I do, including my fiction. So if you can help, please, please help. Me that way, that would really mean a lot to me. Right now, here in America's heartland, the economy is really not doing very well, and you know, some financial security would go a long way to ease my tension. Alrighty, you can find links to everything that I do over at Project Shadow, including the websites that you can connect with me on. Twitter's the best one; I spend most of my time over there. At any rate, until next time, don't forget to have the fun. <laughs> Actually, waved. Bye.